All right, welcome along to the RT Soccer World Cup podcast. Raf Giallo here, and tonight I'm joined by Anthony Pine of RT Sport Online and also Alan Cawley. Uh, we are watching the tail end of Argentina, Australia at the moment, about 15 minutes plus, uh, well, with stoppage time now, that could be another half hour uh, to go. Uh, it's 2-0 Argentina, so they're cruising into a quarterfinal matchup against the Netherlands, who did play earlier and um, beating the USA 3-1. We'll talk about that very shortly. But before we do that, like, there is big news, Anthony. Uh, we already knew Damien Duff was big in Japan from his uh, time at the O2 World Cup without bowing celebration. But uh, you texted me earlier today to reveal that not only is Duffer uh, big in Japan, but also now Didi Hamman as well. Yeah, the, their analysis of the Japan win uh, went viral in Japan. So when it goes, you know, when that when something goes viral in Ireland, you're talking maybe a couple of hundred thousand. You go viral in Japan. And I think it was like a million views of their analysis in the match uh, in 24 hours, something like that. So, like, he's got a bit of history there as well, of course, going back to 2002 when he did the, his bow after scoring against Saudi Arabia, wasn't it? Um, so, struck up the, the relationship again there. They're, they're going crazy for Duffer down there. Um, and obviously, great scenes after that win in Japan. And you now, he's spoken as well before about um, how a lot of fans would come up to him, when he, even in his Fulham days. Yeah, yeah, I remember fans that. Fans from that part of the world coming up and sort of thanking him and ch chatting about it. So they would appreciate that's the, the gesture at the time. And uh, they appreciated them waxing lyrical about um, a great win, a famous win for Japan. Uh, Alan, you know what to do now. If you want to get big in Japan, do you have a few, <laughs> few, few, have you, have you got a few nice words uh, for their team? Yeah, I'm a bit behind Duffer now, I'd say, in those sticks, to be honest with Giraffe. But um, look, he's such an iconic figure. Sometimes I wonder as well, because we're kind of, we're very humble in our nature and, and kind of the way we go about things, and particularly the likes of Damien. And, and I was fortunate enough to work with Robbie Keane at, at Leeds and, and players like this. And we work with Kenny, Kenny Cunningham, obviously, on the telly. Um, captain this country so so many caps a brilliant career but the lads are the nicest lads you'll ever meet and so humble and 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 just humility to bring and, and it's a it's almost like an Irish trait Raf um, I think you look at Shane Lowry in the golf as well something similar Paul Carrington uh, I know the Westlife lads the singers as well great lads and all um, and I think it's probably um, it's in our culture that I suppose your mates or people from where you're from don't let you get too big for your boots you know that kind of thing and they'll drag you right back down to earth the minute you think you're too big for your boots so I think that's something we see with a lot of the lads but certainly Damien um, I have so much respect for him he was one of my heroes when I was growing up as well I remember when actually when he first started doing the punditry and he wouldn't have known me at the time and I was working on the radio and he came over to do a little segment on the radio before he was doing his TV work and he walked in to the studio and I remember kind of going to shake his hand and thinking it was the first time I'd been a little bit shell-shocked uh, or sorry, kind of um, almost starstruck and I was just looking at him thinking like what a what an unbelievable player and he just said a couple of nice things and you're thinking, wow, like it's amazing. So to see him on the telly now and all, it's great. And, and as you say, that story going viral in Japan, there'll probably be another couple before the end of the tournament as well, especially if they get through the next round, Raf. Yeah, and, and just as we as you were talking there, uh, Anthony, we've just had a goal um, for Australia there. So it's getting a little bit interesting. 
Sorry, yeah, this is a bit of a live watch party here. I've missed the goal. I do have the game in front of me. I'm, only, I'm just waiting on the replay, so I didn't like. I haven't seen any of that rap. Just seen it, that it, it deflected in. I think it was. Uh, it looked like uh, Craig Goodwin who would have scored in the opening game. Uh, took a shot from distance, went off the back of an Argentine uh, Argentinian defender, and went in. But uh, uh, just uh, we we've tried to time this with the hope that uh, extra time doesn't happen. So I'm getting a little bit nervous now. <laughs> Well, this, this, uh, there's a similar vibe to the game earlier, uh, the USA Netherlands game, which I, I was doing a live blog for that, and it just I was tracking saying this game is over, you know, 2-0, this is done and dusted. They're just, the Dutch are just seeing this out, and then they nicked the goal back. Bit of a mad goal, uh, looped in off, um, God, I actually can't remember the goal scorer's name now, looped off his head. Oh, Haji Wright. Oh, Haji Wright. And, you know, he actually caused chaos when he came on uh, mm. off the bench. And all of a sudden... Um, they had a couple of half chances. They had a couple of moments where they could have nicked the second goal and taken the extra time before the Dutch killed it off. So, um, I mean, I'm not... Who knows? Like, stranger things have happened. But, it's, I mean, if, if Argentina allowed this game to go to extra goals... We, we were saying just before we started recording, Alan was saying there how, how sort of average Australia are. You know, you're, for them to get to this stage is a great success. Mm. So, that's, what is it, 12 minutes to go plus, what, about... 20 minutes of injury time, so <laughs> you never know. But uh, probably more likely to Argentina find another goal, I think. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll keep a very close eye on that. But uh, you mentioned the Netherlands beating USA 3-1, and they only had 42% possession uh, during during the game. Um, Alan, what did you make of their performance? I know possession isn't everything, but uh, the US really, you know, the US really did give them a bit of a test in certain passages of play. Yeah, it's certainly not everything in this tournament, draft. We've seen so many uh, examples of that where teams have had lesser amount of possession, but they've got the result. Um, and that's all that matters, really, is the scoreline at the end of the day. That's the only stat that, that really matters. But in terms of their performance, I've been disappointed with them up to now in the tournament. Um, I think they were a little bit better today. You're, you're, you're looking as if something's after happening there, Raf. Sorry. Yeah, Anthony, are you looking at that? Um, somebody almost did a bit of a Maradona run the whole way through the Argentinian defence. <laughs> I think you're ahead of me, lads. Eh? Yeah, I, I'm have, just being exclusive oh, I'm just coverage. Now. Wow. Oh. <laughs> it looks like Behic just Behic, uh, yeah, went, on a, went on, oh, a, wow. on a mazy run. Oh, my God. What a run. Incredible. Brilliant tackle at the end, but what a run. He must have went by four or five of them. Here he is, Betch goes by two there, cuts inside. And it was Lissandro Martinez with an unbelievable tackle. He's even celebrating the tackle. That's how good it was. But yeah, they've made it nervy for themselves now. As, as Anthony said just before we came on air there, Raf, this game was done and dusted. The 2-0 scoreline, Australia hadn't had a shot on target. They never even looked like getting a shot on target. They lack so much quality. I think it's just their probably their defensive discipline and organisation that has probably gotten them this far in their fight and their spirit. Oh, there's another shot as well, just goes over. But I think that's what's kind of gotten them this far and it's an achievement just to get this far. But now that it's gone 2-1, they're pushing on and they believe they could maybe get something out of the game and all of a sudden they've made it very nervy for themselves. I haven't been impressed with Argentina at all in the games. Bar Messi and without him, I think they'd be very, very ordinary, Raph, to be honest. And I don't see them. I know all the hype before the tournament, 36 games unbeaten. But from the evidence, what I've seen so far in the tournament, and I was so looking forward to, to them in the tournament as well, and the romance, the romance in me wants to see Messi win it. But I've been so disappointed with them in their performances. And I say, without him, they'd be very, very ordinary. Yeah, and uh, just on the Dutch, I think we were uh, obviously interrupted by the the great moment of magic there by Behic. But uh, yeah, again, 3-1 win for them. But uh, they haven't 
have you been, you know, you, you, as you say, you're not convinced by Argentina's performances. How convinced or otherwise are you by what you've seen of the Dutch, especially today? Yeah, no, I wasn't convinced by them either in the group stages, Raph, but they came through quite comfortably. And again, something like Argentina, maybe to a lesser extent, but there was a lot of hype around them as well in terms of their qualification campaign, the amount of goals they were scoring. I covered a couple of their matches in the group stage, and as I say, they were pretty underwhelming. Now, the big thing for them, and obviously evidence today when we see it, is they got Memphis to pie some really important minutes in the group stage. And if they get him in the team, obviously they have a chance because he is such a brilliant goal scoring record at international level. And we've seen that with the first goal. I actually thought the first goal was one of the best goals I've seen in the tournament. It was a brilliant team um, team move. And obviously he started the attack on the half line, carried on his run, but there was a couple of lovely passes out to the right-hand side. And I think it was Dumfries pulled it back to him as well with a brilliant pass and a brilliant finish. So I think with him in the team, obviously it gives them a lot more uh, attack and impetus and a more, much more of a goal threat. But again, in terms of winning out the tournament, I think they face each other now in the next round if Argentina go through here. It's a tough one to call, but I think they're evenly matched and I would just edge it just be purely because of Messi. But I, I haven't been impressed by any of those two teams, Raf. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned Memphis there. So, of course, uh, as you said, he scored. Uh, he was at the end of a very good team move. The uh, Their drop-off in the second half when the US got at them, he seemed to be at fault for, A, there was a um, the chance for Hadji Wright where uh, the ball, uh, he played a back pass short, mm. sort of reminiscent of Steven Gerrard against France at Euro 2004 where he put Thierry Henry through and ended up being a penalty. Uh, and then uh, he gave the ball away again uh, for when uh, in the build-up to the move when Hadji Wright scored. So he seems to be a little bit loose and I don't know whether you think it's an issue to do with fitness. Yeah, a little bit loose in the passes there, as you say. Sometimes what can what tends to happen there, it all be it becomes too easy. And a two-nil, I think they were probably in kind of cruise control. And then it only takes one lapse in concentration with a sloppy back pass. And even Anthony mentioned him, that lad right. Um, when he came on, he did cause all sorts of problems. But on that one, I actually felt he should have done better off because he took a really heavy touch around the goalkeeper and made it difficult for himself with the angle. And I think it was Van Dyke got back on the line. But um no, I do think with Memphis, um, they're obviously much more of a goal threat. But USA, as you say, gave them a right match today. And, and only for USA have very little up front in terms of real quality because the amount of chances they created and the amount of situations they had in around the Dutch box, um, they would have scored had they somebody up there more clinical. Obviously, they had Pulisic, who I felt played very well for them. But he's more a creator of goals than actually scoring the goals. And I just think they lacked a real clinical number nine. And had they... I've had that, I think they would have possibly beaten the Dutch today. But the game through, I think Marco Van Basten was highly critical. I was reading an article online earlier um, and he was slating the performance from the Dutch. So uh, it just goes to show maybe what they're thinking back home because we all kind of know that the Dutch are, um, I suppose, remembered for their glory days in terms of their attack and football. And I just don't think we'll get that with Louis Van, Van Gaal. He's much more functional, much more uh, conservative in his approach. And all he's worried about is obviously the results and getting through. And who can argue with them sitting there in the quarterfinal? Yeah, uh, he would have been an advocate like pretty much any Dutch coach would have been 4-3-3. But uh, as we saw the last World Cup that he managed them at in 2014 and this one, obviously, they've he's uh, he sees the back three as the as the way forward. Uh, he did say, now, I think he, he probably wouldn't go as far as Van Basten in terms of criticising his own team, but he wasn't too happy uh, with their performance once they went 2-0 up, as you alluded to there. But... Uh, 
he was very full of praise of Denzel Dumfries. Uh, and what he said after the game was, yesterday or the day before yesterday, I gave him a big fat kiss and I'm going to give him another big fat kiss. So Denzel Dumfries is warned uh, if he needs to hide in one of, in his hotel room uh, to get away from him. But, <laughs> but uh, either way, Dumfries set up both uh, the Depay goal and then Daly Blint and then scored unmarked at the back post uh, the, the third goal. What did you make of his performance overall? I thought he was fantastic, Raph. And as you say, sure, anyone that sets up two goals and scores one himself, um, it's obviously doing. he's not doing much wrong, to be fair, in the game. But I suppose we often see that in the modern game now in terms of the fullbacks and how important they are, and particularly him. We saw him in the Euros as well. He had a brilliant European Championships. And um, he's just such a brilliant player, Dumfries, getting forward, loves to attack. And um, we see it at club level as well. And I think, to be fair, the, the first goal in particular, because it was a real pick-out for Memphis Depay um, on the edge of the box, a lot of times people get into, and we often, you hear it in, in, in commentary or in analysis of games about people's final ball or final delivery into the box. It was a brilliant ball and a brilliant pullback from him and Dumfries and totally aware of the situation and where Memphis Depay was. And he is, um, he's a brilliant player. I'm not sure he'll want the kisses from Van Gaal, but if he keeps playing like that, um, I'm sure they'll be, they'll be all happy with him in the Netherlands because he's, he's a fine player. Yeah, and Anthony, from the United States point of view, obviously the next World Cup we'll see them at is when they're co-hosting the 2026 tournament and uh, almost a chance there for Argentina. But they'll be, they're still a very young side, clearly. Mm -hmm. I mean, even the, the star players like Pulisic, Weston, McKenney, Tyler Adams, uh, the entire spine of the team. Uh, for them, clearly, they do need to identify a centre-forward. Yeah, but, you know, it's it's been a good tournament for them, Raph. I, I, I really liked watching them. I thought they were very good against England. And I thought in parts today, they impressed. I mean, they had a bad chunk of the game after they conceded. It could have been 1-0 up after two minutes. Pulisic had a good chance after that. If they take the lead in that game, I mean, it's it's slightly obvious, but it's a very, very different proposition. But there are shades of England about the Dutch, just in the sense that they are, the criticism for Van Gaal is that they are conservative, given that they have some really technically excellent players. So even though for a lot of the game, they were kind of playing a controlled uh, pretty dour game like they got themselves in the lead and they just sort of boxed put a lid on the match sorry Raph you're re reacting there <laughs> you can jump in any time you want there Raph no and it was a great run great run by Messi um, frees uh, Lautaro Martinez in the box and he just skies it um, but yeah go on we'll, we'll talk about Argentina shortly yeah, but that, as Alan referenced the first goal, like there's every so often there's little flashes of great play. Like they have got class and quality within them, um, but the, the, it's not always great watch. And the thing about the states is that, um, yeah, like there was just like parts of the game where they started to believe themselves in that last fifteen minutes. In particular, you could see like they've got loads of energy. They have good players. Like Pulisic is only twenty four, which really surprised me. I, don't know, I was only reading that earlier today. It feels like he's older because he's been on the scene for a long time. Uh, he was carrying a bit of a knock, I think, coming into today as well. So like, they, they've definitely got, there's a lot of potential in that team. You know, there's a lot of potential in that USA team. It'll be interesting to see how they develop um, come the next World Cup because a lot of the names that you referenced there, you know, they're, they're still going to be there and they're going to be entering their prime then. So no shame in them going out. Um, I sort of fancy the Dutch to beat Argentina if if if, if Argentina see this out. I, I would fancy them because I just think like, uh, I think they're slightly better balanced, albeit they are a bit dour. Like they're, you know, they'd like them to be a bit more ambitious. But um, 
I don't know. There's flaws in everyone, Raph. I, I have a feeling for England at the minute, I have to say. And England aren't without their flaws. But I, I just have a feeling that it's that type of team that seems to have conviction in what they're doing. And the fact that they've, you know, they've had two good tournaments coming into this. They seem to trust and like Southgate. They've got a deep squad, a good squad. Uh, I've got a feeling that they're going to go very close this year. There's no team, maybe France, but I, I don't think there's one outstanding team that you could really... Put your house on now. I don't know where you lads feel. I think we go around. It wouldn't surprise me if we go around the house and we all pick a different team here. Like it's it's a field very open. Yeah, let's touch on England actually because they're they're playing Senegal tomorrow uh, on Sunday. That is a uh, seven o'clock kickoff live in RT two and the RT player. They're going to be favourites going into this, but as we've seen often with uh, Southgate's teams in major tournaments, they go far. But uh, Alan, it's one of those things you don't necess necessarily need to play well, as in flowing football, to do well at these tournaments. I think you can name all the world uh, World Cup winners from uh, the last the last number of editions of the tournament, and when you actually look at their results, they rarely ever blew other teams away. Yeah, and I think with England, I would agree with Anthony to an extent, certainly with them. The only problem for England is that they're going to face France in the quarterfinal. And I think that's a that's a serious opposition for them. Whereas if they were on maybe a different side of the draw and we see Argentina are going to face the Netherlands in the quarterfinal, possibly, I if that was England in that situation, I would fancy them to beat both of those teams and maybe get themselves to a semi-final. And who knows after that? So I just think the way it's panned out for them. Uh, it's going to be difficult because I think out of all the teams we've seen so far, and again, I'd agree with Anthony that there's flaws in them all. We've seen that in every game. Um, there's no real standout team, but I just think France with Mbappe, he's the standout player of the tournament. I just think he's absolutely sensational at the moment and um, in terms of the talent that he has, the ability that he has. Um, all the talk, I suppose, is Messi and Ronaldo, but certainly in terms of the next player that's going to take over that mantle, I think he's head and shoulders above anyone in Mbappe, and he's already done it in the tournament, and he's done it in a couple of major tournaments already for one so young. So I just think that's going to be a major hurdle for England to get across. If they were to get across that, well, then you give them every chance. Uh, and that's not to say they can't beat France either. I think that'll be a serious game between both teams and one I'd be certainly looking forward to. I think they'll beat Senegal tomorrow after I covered Senegal in two of the games and I'm, I can't believe Senegal have gotten through. I thought they were absolutely dreadful to be honest with you. Ecuador were the team for me in that group who were absolutely brilliant and unfortunately for them they went into the final game against Senegal on four points with Senegal on three and it was almost as if the occasion they just thought we'll just play for a draw and ended up getting caught out. So that was a major um, disappointment for them because I thought they were really, really good in the group. And if you think back to the, their game against the Netherlands, they absolutely destroyed them. Uh, and they should have won that match as well. So Senegal, I think England will take care of no problem. But then they face France. And as I say, that's, that's, that, that could have been a final that game because those two teams are very, very strong. Whereas I look at Argentina and the Netherlands in the quarterfinal and I can't see any of them going on to win the tournament. So that's probably how I would split up uh, that side of the draw with those four teams. Yeah, in regard to tomorrow, so uh, Senegal are going to be without Idrissa Ganagay, probably their arguably their key midfielder, uh, suspended. And uh, but from the English point of view, they've obviously stuck with the back four so far. But do you do you envisage any changes? And also, Alan, do you see uh, Foden and Rashford having done enough to uh, take the place of either Saka or Sterling in the starting lineup? Yeah, 100%, Raf. That's the criticism uh, of Southgate is that he's too conservative. But I think what we've seen in the group games already, you can get by with the back four against the teams that he's played and he'll have no problem getting by uh, with the teams that he played. So I don't think there was too many questions asked of him. Um, 
although although the fact that he did pick the four, but I think, and it remains to be seen, as I say, when he gets down to the latter stages against the France, I think he'll revert to type and go back to a back three. I have a major issue with him picking Harry Maguire. I think it's admirable in one sense that he's very loyal and loyal to the players that have done very well for him. But sometimes there can be blind loyalty as well, Raf. And I think that could be the case for the likes of Maguire if he plays him uh, against the likes of an Mbappe or some of the top centre forwards that we may see come the latter stages of the tournament. So I think that will be an issue for them. But I think with Senegal tomorrow, he'll stick with the back four because he'll take care of them, no problem. And they still should have... 70% of the ball you would think and dominate possession for large spells on the Foden and Rashford one I think he'll stick with them as well they played really really well in the last game obviously Rashford getting a couple of goals Foden as well chipping in I think Foden should be in the team anywhere off I can't believe that there's a debate around him uh, for me he's a given he's absolutely sensational Foden I know people might argue and, and even to go back to the point about Southgate being loyal to the ones that have done it for him in England jersey you could argue Foden we've only seen it in a Man City jersey I suppose um, but he's a sensational talent and he has to be in the team so I think he'll stick in the team I think Rashford will as well and rightly so as well the, the old kind of adage goes Raf, if you get the jersey and you do the business you hold on to the jersey and not much changes there no matter how much the game evolves uh, I'd still be very much old school in that regard that if you do the business uh, you hold on to the jersey to the next day and I think that's what we'll see with Foden and Rashford yeah, and Senegal in their last 10 World Cup matches haven't kept a clean sheet, so it doesn't bode well for tomorrow. And obviously in these, as we see in these uh, games, it's often there's only a goal or two in it. Uh, and you've mentioned France and Mbappe already now. They're playing Poland on, uh, well, they're playing Poland in the three o'clock game, again, live on RT2 and the RT player. Anthony, these are two teams that haven't played each other for 11 years. But if you look at the way Poland played against Argentina, I mean... <laughs> They were very, very passive. So, and again, France probably have more tools in their arsenal going forward. So, this is going to be a tough one for them. Yeah, well, they, they have to try and score. <laughs> like that's that's the first big thing for them, and and they just look surprisingly toothless, you know, given that Lewandowski is still on that side. But passive is correct. I mean, it, it's very difficult to see anything but a, a fairly straightforward French win. Um, and you know, look, these tournaments, any major tournament, like. It, once you get to the last day, I mean, it's all shaping up to be the last day because it's it's very open, but only once we get beyond this last 16 stage. There's a few games there that we're, we're already talking in terms of, you know, France v England and, and those matchups later in the later in the competition. Um, and, you know, that's where you really see what these teams are made of and, and the likes of England, you know, if, if they have learned maybe past lessons from the Euros. Um, sorry, Rafa, I'm... I'm, I'm Fixated on your expression watching the uh, <laughs> Argentina game because uh, like you're going to throw a little late twist at me or something. My expression is it? Yeah. <laughs> I just have one of those faces. But no, realistically, something did happen as well. It was uh, Garang Kual, the uh, the young uh, kind of winger uh, who plays his club football in Australia, but is heading to Newcastle in January. Almost, oh, uh, oh, yeah. almost put the ball past uh, uh, Martinez in the uh, in the Argentinian goal, and it's just coming to the very end of stoppage time. <laughs> They've made it very hard for themselves, but it's uh, not, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's funny, you know, looking at games like this, and you wonder, like, is uh, the likes of an Argentina? Would they need to fair just to get like one of the bigger teams in a game as opposed to a game like this where they're oh there's so much pressure on them just to win and get through would it potentially liberate a team like Argentina to take a swing at one of the bigger sides I, I don't know like is that is it too 
Am I simplifying it there, Alan? Is there no, I, <laughs> I, yeah, I think you're right, Anthony, because, um, and I'm nearly at the stage now as well, and I don't want to be disrespectful to these teams because I think that's what's made the group stage is the surprise packages and the unknowns and, and uh, the romance of the results as well. But I'm at the stage now where I want to see the big boys go at it. <laughs> and I don't, yeah. like, like I'm watching Australia there tonight and no disrespect to them. Like they're, they're hanging in on pure grit and fight and determination. And there's a lot to be said for those qualities. Absolutely 100%. There's so much to be said for those qualities. But I just think when you get to the, the business end, you want to see Brazil, France, England, Spain, Netherlands, Germany, whoever it may be, go at it toe-to-toe and... I just think in the quarter final, I sp- I think that's what will separate these kind of surprise results. You see, we've already seen one today, USA, who were a bit of a surprise package, uh, but did do very well. Potentially a banana skin for the Netherlands, and I felt it was a banana skin, a major one. I didn't think this was as much of one tonight, Australia and Argentina. Um, but I'm glad the Netherlands have come through. I'm glad Argentina have come through, and hopefully when we do get down to that final eight, as you say. The big boys are swinging at each other and, and let's see, let's separate the men from the boys uh, at that stage because you do want to see the cream rise to the top in terms of the quality. And I think that's what we'll see once we get down to those last eight. Um, and it's almost like the tournament is split in two because for those group stages, all the story has been for the last two weeks of all Japan, Senegal, Ecuador, Australia, whatever the case may be in those surprise results. Um, whereas now, as I say, we're into the, the business end this, this next two weeks and you want to see the big boys, I think, take each other on and, and, and see the quality come out on top. Yeah, and in terms of the cream rising to top, obviously France reigning champions. Uh, do you see any, any, is there any hope for Poland there from what you've seen of them that they can, uh, that they can cause a bit of a shock? No, I think it'll be a tricky game and it'll be a good test for France, uh, but I can't see it, Raph. No, I really can't. Uh, obviously, Lewandowski, as we know, is a serious talent, but bar him, like you're kind of looking around and, and, and thinking where else can, can they trouble the French and I just think with the attacking options that France have and I mentioned that man Mbappe as well, he looks like he's come to this tournament thinking this is my time even though you probably thought that four years ago or two years ago or whatever but I just think he's at that age now where he's maturing with every match and every game and he almost senses as though he's taken on the mantle from from the two greats that we that are currently in that sit- position. So um, I can't see them troubling France. No, I think France will win tomorrow, and I think England will tomorrow. Yeah, and uh, yeah, as we as we can see on the screen there, well on my screen here, the Argentinians celebrating that very narrow two one win over Australia. So uh, your overall take on this game, maybe first on Messi, he's now actually scored more World Cup goals than Diego Maradona. He's up to nine, just one off Gabriel Batistuta's all time record for an Argentinian at the tournament. Um, it seems like everything, anything good, seems to just go through him. Oh, he's incredible, Raf. Like the stat, obviously, before the match was that it was his, his a thousand game, like one thousand games. It's absolutely frightening. Even if you try and just even comprehend that in terms of the longevity and the amount of games in a season and how many you'd have to play each year to get up to a thousand, like it's bamboozling, really, when you start trying to dip into the figures. But for a thousand games, and then you throw in the goals on top of that, I think it's seven hundred and eighty-nine. Would I be right that it's in and around that? So it's just absolutely incredible. And he's my number one. I absolutely love him, Raf. I don't think there's a debate. I don't even think there's a discussion anymore. And 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 that's kind of a big statement when you think of how good Ronaldo has been as well at his numbers. But I just think this fella is just absolutely phenomenal and keeps doing it. And even when the game was very much in the balance in that first kind of 20 minutes, half an hour, when there wasn't much happening, Australia were comfortable. 
probably thinking this is going okay for us. We're defending quite well. They haven't really troubled the goalkeeper. Bang, just one injection of, of a, a pass out to the edge of the box, goes for the return, falls kindly to him, takes a first touch and just bends it into that far corner like we've seen him do on 788 occasions before this. So um, he's just phenomenal, Raph. And he's the reason I think that it can go far because... As I said to one of the boys earlier on, he's capable of everything, not just anything. You know, it's 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 just incredible what what he's done over the years. And for that reason alone, you have to still have them in as contenders. Also, even just looking at the scenes here, with another factor that's in their favour as well, I think, which might carry them forward. And I mentioned about Australia probably just relying on pure grit and determination. But Argentina have the fans and the support as well, Raf, and that can carry us so far, especially you look at the grounds and everywhere to play, you look at the connection with Messi at the moment and him, you even look at the scenes there, they're all down in front of, behind the goal where the fans are and the players are all down um, gesturing to them and, and, and receiving the ovations from them. And I think that can carry them far as well because the phenomenal support over there. Um, and when you build up that momentum as well in a tournament, it's 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 kind of hard to stop that. So they're the two main reasons why I still see them as contenders. But on their overall general play, if you were to take Messi out of it, I think they're fairly ordinary after that, to be honest with you. Good players, obviously, but I don't think see them as being as good as a Brazil or a France if you take Messi out of the team. Yeah, because uh, it was just something Ray Houghton said on the co on the co commentary there uh, to George Hamilton, and it was he sort of rhetorically asked the question like, "What would Argentina be without him?" And uh, Anthony, I, I, this, what do you make of the supporting cast? Well, ju just to add to the messy point on, on the amount of games he's played, because like like Alan, I'd say experienced this when he was you know was a player at some point, whether he was a kid or just coming through, where you would have been the best player on a team you know, experience and what it's like to be the best player in the team and what it's like for opposition teams to identify that and to pay special attention to him, mark him, don't let him do this. Okay, so there's a, a pressure mentally on that as a player when you get mm. that, you know, all the time you're marked out. So imagine what it's like for Messi. Like, every game he's played, like, you're, you're talking about elite, like, Australia are not home team. Like, these are, you know, that's, we're in the World Cup here. These are elite athletes. Every game he plays, whether it's against Liverpool, Australia, you know, whoever, Leon, the opposition players are like, this is a chance for me to try and tackle Messi, Mark Messi out of the game. Like the pressure that comes with that. There was a start earlier on in the competition where after two games he had walked more than any other player. Like he's just walking around the pitch. So like he's now just distilled his game into picking the killer moments. Mm. He's literally, he's walking around the pitch but he's watching everything. His head is on a swivel. So he's just constantly identifying the patterns of play. Where's that right back going? Where, when can, where can I get the ball here? And when it comes from, he just kills you. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, there are some good players like McAllister. It was a nice uh, package on McAllister, wasn't there, before the game in RT. Yeah. Uh, tracking his uh, roots back to Donabate uh, in North County, Dublin. Uh, they've got a few decent players around them. Like, I, I, Eamon Dunphy had a piece last week or earlier this week, I think, um, talking about the team, the Argentina team at Italia 90, and how Maradona carried that team to the final. That, that was an average Argentina team. Mm. Was like, I would say that this Argentina team are stronger than that Argentina team. Um, but, you know, it's still going to be a big ask for Messi, you know. as brilliant. It, 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 even that point, that it's a great point to make about bringing up the walking stuff because I, I see people kind of labouring this point and, and honing in on it. But, when you're as good as him, right, 
any any ordinary player or any run of the mill player or even any Premier League player, say, um, and you see a player walking straight away, it's a criticism. You're like, well, what's going on here? Like this lad's walking, he's not running, he's not trying, he's not doing. But as you say, he's walking because he's holding on to his the energy and and he's as you say picking the moments. It's it's not like he's walking because he's being lazy or because he's he's kind of thinking I don't care here or you know it, there's 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 method in, in what he's trying to do here, you know. So, and, and he almost, the, the beauty and the, the greatness of him, I think the players around him, and you have to give them credit for that because they obviously factor that in as well in terms of the work rate that they're putting in, which you would totally allow for. If you were playing in a team with Lionel Messi, I've played, you've played, I've played in le- small, little, lesser teams, and you'd have a manager saying, Look, you'd have fellas doing the work, and you'll have the one or two fellas who might win us the match. If you're playing in a team with him, those players will do anything. If it allows him, what's one split second of space that he that he needs to obviously hurt the opposition, like we've seen tonight, and that's all you need. So a lot of people are honing in on that, and it's purely down to obviously the age he's at. He just can't run around the pitch like he used to. But that should never be aimed at him as a criticism, because he is so good that it still only takes that one split second, and all it is is a touch, a clever pass, a swivel of the hips, bang, and it's a goal. And and. And I often, I've, I've noticed a lot of that maybe in the last probably six to nine months, people really labouring that point. Oh, well, he walks around the pitch, he, he ambles around. But it's a great point that you raised that, that he's doing it for a reason. He's not doing it because he doesn't care. It's just the greatness of the man that, that, that time catches up on everybody. Unfortunately for him, unfortunately for us, it's catching up on him now. We won't get to see him for another five, six, seven years. But for those next three or four games, or three or four months that he has left, or whatever the case may be, he has to hold on to every little sinew that he has for those little moments where he injects a little bit of pace into it, and bang. Yeah. Well, sorry, Rob, but just, like, we all want to see him do what he used to do. Like, you got really excited earlier when he went on a run, because it's like, you know, everybody wants to see him at full flow. It's, It's thrilling to watch him do that. But I guess, like, there's a couple of things. First of all, you have to understand the amount of punishment he's taken. Like, even in this day and age, I know the game's not as physical, but he's still taking a lot of punishment for many, many years, like running down channels and taking off fullbacks and being a marked man game after game. The other thing that him walking around the pitch does is that if you're marking him, it must be hard to actually stay tuned in if the guy, you're, you know, the main danger man is just walking on. Like, if he's running... You know, and trying to get away from you, that automatically tunes you into the match. Like, it, it yeah. helps you stay focused on the game because you have to follow him, you can't switch out. When he's just walking and then bang, he's gone. Like, that's much harder over the course of an hour and a half of football. It just takes, you don't know when he's going to do it. Yeah. He obviously disinterested, he's not in the game, and then bang. And that's what happened today with that goal. It was just flick of the switch, 1 0. There you go. Yeah. That's phenomenal, it really is. And he's just, and I think that's what separates him off. People love to have the debate around Ronaldo, Messi, and all that. But he's at a stage in his career where Ronaldo had the, the tricks and the jinky winger type when he was there, and then obviously he'd become the great goal scorer. But Ronaldo wouldn't be able to drop into midfield and pick passes and do the things that Messi. He has like the all round footballing ability of like almost like a, a creative midfielder as well. He can drop, He could drop back and play as a deep line midfielder and just pass the ball all day and cruise around, no problem. Like, so it's just, it's it's almost like, and that's not to take away Ronaldo, as we know, look, is a freak in nature in terms of what he's achieved as well. But, and people argue, oh, well, it's left foot, right foot, he heads the ball, he's brilliant in the air. But Ronaldo wouldn't do what Messi does now. Not a hope in hell in terms of 
the amount of goals that he scored, Messi, but I'd say the amount of chances he's created as well out of pure brilliance in terms of the awareness and the passing range that he has as well. So I, for me, there's no debate. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm holding on to every little moment that we still see him do the things he's done tonight. And that's why I want to see Argentina. I, ha I, I nearly want to be impressed by him, Anthony, but I have to be honest and say I'm not impressed by him, but just purely for him. I just want them to go far and I'd love to see him bow out winning the because that kind of that silly kind of criticism, not silly, but that stick that they used to beat him when Maradona did it and he didn't do it. And, and I loved Maradona as well, but I just think it's 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 not a stick to be beating this fellow with when you consider all he's done. Yeah, on the walking point, I think I remember Robbie Keane sort of when after he retired, kind of talking about how he'd actually looked at Messi and the way he walked around as a kind of sign of genius that he even, you know, in his own latter end of his own career, he kind of used as well. And I think just on the point of Messi dropping deep, I think the greatest compliment to him probably is he's arguably the greatest, one of the greatest playmakers we've ever seen. And at the same time, and often within the same game, the greatest goal scorer. So um, it's sort of like the NFL thing of he's almost the quarterback and also the sort of wide receiver in, in one role. But before we go, um, of course, Messi and Argentina are going to be playing the Dutch in the quarterfinals. I think Anthony's already said he kind of fancies the Dutch uh, a little bit uh, in that in that matchup. But um, Alan, in regards to how the Dutch set up, obviously they play with this back three. They can be a little bit passive, although they're quite good in terms and they're quite balanced, as we saw in passages against the USA in terms of blocking off passing lanes. But do you, is is the best way to confront Argentina actually just to sit either sit back or do you do sort of what Saudi Arabia did, where you actually try and press high on them? I think for for the Netherlands, I think because they're built on that sol solid foundation at the back with the tree and Van Dijk, and the, I think Van Dijk has been very very good in the tournament as well. A lot of people kind of were questioning where his head was at in terms of the Liverpool situation. We haven't seen him at the heights that we've seen him over the last maybe 18 months, two years. But I think he's been very, very good for them um, in that back three, Nathan Ake as well. And and that's where their strength is, to be fair. Even though Memphis Depay has an amazing uh, goal-scoring record at international level, and obviously there's a lot of hype around Cody Gakpo as well. But I've been disappointed with Gakpo in the games. I know he has three goals. That might sound like a silly statement. But in the games and in general, play, he's done very, very little. Um, and I know as a goal scorer, you're there to score the goals, but he's done very, very little. And again today, uh, I don't think he had a huge uh, impact on the match. But So that's where their strength is in that kind of defensive setup and that shape with the back three, Dumfries getting up the wing. Daly Blint loves to join in. We've seen him score a goal today. I think they're fairly solid in midfield as well with De Jong. Um, and they look to hit Argentina maybe on the counter-attack, as I say, with something like what we've seen in that first goal today with, with the pie. So um, I think that's the approach they'll take. They'll be happy to sit in maybe, because I think with Argentina as well, the, the criticism when I'm watching them, they're so pedestrian in their play. Everything's in front of you. And if it's all in front of you and you have no runners in behind, I think that's why we've probably seen the inclusion of Alvarez because he gives them that maybe little bit of a tread in behind. He's willing to run in behind. Whereas other than that, Di Maria, when he was playing, obviously Messi sits deep now. Um, even Latara Martinez, kind of something similar, just wants to play in the shoulder. Um, so I think from the Netherlands' point of view, that's the approach to take and try and hit them on the counter-attack. And, and it's a tough one to call. It really is, Raf. Um, you'd nearly be siding, as Anthony says, with the Netherlands, but just purely because of Messi, I want to see them go through rather than the Netherlands, so I'm just going to go for purely for that reason. 
Okay, we'll see how far they, they get on. Obviously, they're on, both on the Brazilian side of the draw as well, and we'd expect Brazil to go far too. But anyway, before we go, tomorrow, as I said, RT2 and the RT player, 3 o'clock first, France against Poland, and then it's England against Senegal at 7 o'clock. Alan Cawley, thanks a mil for uh, taking the time, and Anthony Pine as well. Pleasure, lads. Oh.